This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Lake Kick is live. It is Thursday night. It is August 6th, the year of our Lord, 2020, August 6th. You guys know what that means. No, looking around the studio, which is empty. You don't. Happy birthday to Dan Pate, also known in Georgia circles as my father. August 6th already. Now, I assume he had hoped to have an SEC schedule in front of him already by the time his birthday arrived. We can't give him that as a present yet. So let's talk about what we do know tonight. We do know Big Ten schedule. We do know ACC schedule. We know Miami is red hot on the recruiting trail and maybe even just on the football field this year. More on that in just a second. And we also know some guys are opting out. So there is part excitement out there, part terror. And as usual, it's never as bad or as great as things seem. So we're here to make sense of it all for you tonight. You'll probably leave here a lot more relaxed than you were when you came. So I'm happy to have you here. My name is Josh Pate. This is Late Kick Live. If you haven't already, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We will be just flooding you, and I mean flooding you, with content all throughout the season, maybe even including some things that you haven't seen yet, some projects that haven't even been debuted. You ever look at the way debuted is spelled, by the way? It doesn't look like it makes sense. So we're going to dive into a lot tonight. I've also got a Q&A at the very end of the show that's about recruiting, sort of the tangled web of recruiting and interconference recruiting, dealing with two powerhouse programs in the SEC and just some, it's not any hidden information, but it may be a different angle that I don't think you've thought about. So let's dive right in here and let's start with some initial reaction that we have taken away from the ACC and Big Ten schedules. Uh, The ACC released theirs today. Now they did it the way that we like them to do it, which is yesterday they put out a tweet and let us know exactly what time it was coming out and exactly where to find it and all's well that ends well. I want you to look, if you're watching on YouTube, live or pre-recorded, I want you to look at what Colin's showing you right now. This is the graphic for the ACC's schedule. Everyone always accuses Clemson of a cakewalk, and there's really not much they can do about it outside of their out-of-conference. But check out Clemson's schedule here. I want you to look at the last four games. They're the second column down there. They play, and there's a bye week in here, but they play at Notre Dame. They got a bye. Then they play at Florida State. Then they have Pitt. And then they go to Virginia Tech. And I don't know how many of you have ever been to Blacksburg, Virginia, period, much less in December, but it's not 72 and sunny. And so Clemson doesn't exactly have the easiest stretch in the world to end the season. Now, half the people I talked to today said, oh, it doesn't matter. We won't make it that far anyway. Okay, well, humor me on the off chance that we do make it that deep into the season. That whole uh, at Virginia Tech to end the season or regular season, um, that'll be kind of interesting Also, Miami, you know, Clemson plays Miami. I've actually got a printout of the schedule here. Clemson plays Miami in what would be week five, which for the ACC is uh, 
October 10th. There is no universal week five this year because we got some conferences starting a month after the others. But Miami at Clemson was a very juicy game that was added to the ACC schedule that previously wasn't there in your local preview magazine, shall we say. Miami does have a bye. they got to go on the road. Whatever that means in 2020, I don't know. They have to go on the road to Clemson, but they do have a bye before they play the Tigers. Miami, speak of which, uh, speaking of Miami, we're going to speak a lot about them tonight again. Much to the chagrin of some of you. Very feisty. Late kick inbox when we talked about the Canes last week. So they're relevant again this week, so we got to talk about them again. Uh, Miami's early season schedule going to show us a whole lot. I know Greg Rousseau's in the news today because one of their star defensive players has opted out of the season. We're going to talk about opt-outs in a little while. Why it's probably not nearly as big a deal as a lot of people are making it out to be to get those precious clicks from you. However, we're going to find a lot out about Miami really early in the season. Remember last year when everyone said, oh, they play Florida in week zero. We'll know everything about Miami. No, you won't. But you will know a little bit more in year two under Manny Diaz in the first month or so. Take a look. Colin's showing you the schedule again. I've got a guy on the iJosh, which is a fancy word for my phone, that swears UAB is going to beat Miami in week one. I do not share in that opinion, but what I am excited to see is they go to Louisville the week before Florida State, and then they got an open date, and then they go to Clemson, and all of that, and you can tack on Pitt and Virginia after that, all that is before Halloween. So you find a whole lot about Miami out, and then how about North Carolina on the other side of this coin? I don't exactly know how this is going to pan out because you don't really even know who's going to be playing week to week, but you check out North Carolina's little run they're going to go on here. They got Q's, and then they got an out-of-conference open date. BC, they got Vatek at home at Florida State. There is no, the point I'm making here is there is no definitive matchup on their schedule all the way up until probably Notre Dame, the second to last week of the season, and then maybe at Florida State uh, or at Miami, the last week of the season. There are really no slam dunk games they'll be underdogs in. And if they are, they'll be a short dog. So could we set up? Uh, it's a team that's got a lot of hype around them now. Could we set up for North Carolina to go on one of those runs that sometimes teams go on and uh, half the country's bought in, and then the other half of the country's sitting there saying, well, they ain't playing nobody. And when they finally play somebody, you'll see. And then you got to wait till like November. It seems to happen a lot in the ACC, by the way. you got to wait until November, late November, as it were, to finally find out. So... Might they be favored in every game until mid to late November? Now, as for the Big Ten, shifting gears a little bit and shifting uh, helmet grid schedules in front of me here, uh, Wisconsin. I don't know who you guys have in your back pocket, but I don't want to know. I just want to congratulate you on this schedule and your trip to the Big Ten championship game. Take a look at this. Not only do they miss Ohio State, they miss Minnesota. They've got Minnesota or they... Excuse me, I said that wrong. They miss Ohio State. And then, uh, by the way, it should be noted, they did their schedule differently. They did it in vertical order, whereas the ACC did theirs in horizontal order. I saw someone tweet out today, all the more reason for a college football czar at least have some continuity about the helmet grid schedules that you put out. But whereas Wisconsin has things set up exactly how the Badgers would want them, you look on the other side of the old proverbial fence, and there's Mike Loxley. 
and there's the Maryland Terrapins. And, you know, they've been sitting around. They're not necessarily focused on the schedule. They're focused on their quarterback. Are we going to get Talia Tungavailoa deemed eligible after his transfer from Alabama? And in the meantime, the Big Ten said, hey, turn to the side right quick. And then wham, they just hit you in the side of the head with a baseball bat. So whereas Wisconsin has what they have, Maryland plays at Iowa, they play Wisconsin, they play at Penn State, they got Ohio State, they got at Michigan, they got Minnesota. Did they just serve you up the toughest half dozen teams in your conference all in your schedule? Answer, yes, the Big Ten did. So no favors done for Maryland there. Now that's probably not going to catch a lot of traction on the national radar because not a lot was expected from Maryland this year. But that looked disproportionate, so I had to point that out. Now, notice what they did. You see these little blue blocks? Again, if you're watching, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, this probably won't be your favorite segment we've ever done. But if you're watching and you have the visual aid, a lot of those blue blocks down there towards the bottom. And what Colin is showing you here is the Big Ten has given themselves so much wiggle room. Number one, they start early. And number two, everyone has a bye week in either the second to last game of the season or the third, second to week last week of the season or second or third last week of the season. It's tough to say really when you think about it. And it's kind of a reservoir because not only do they have that, you see that solid blue line at the very bottom? That's a buy for everyone before the conference championship date, which is tentatively set, I think, for the 12th. I think that's when they uh, set that for. So there's a lot of wiggle room that they could spill over there. And if that's not enough, they put a cross-division opponent for, I think, either pretty much everyone or everyone at the end of the schedule. So really, if worse comes to worse, they could also dump that if they have multiple games or some teams have multiple games that they need to make up. Um, so they built in a lot of flexibility. Now, as we sit here and we wait for the SEC to release their schedule, that's not something that the SEC chose to do. The SEC chose to put their flexibility on the front end, and we're going to wait until September 26th tentatively to start our season, and we're going to watch all the rest of you wade out into the water, and if sharks don't come up and eat all of you, then we're going to come behind you, and we'll just let you be the guinea pig, and then we'll follow behind at a distance. Well, that's all well and good, but... You better hope it works out because there's not nearly as much wiggle room for the SEC. Now, the SEC's conference title game, not scheduled for uh, until December 19th, and you saw the college football playoff put out a revised selection process, which is December 20th now for the college football playoff selection show. So ever-evolving is the college football schedule picture of 2020. Many a book will be written on this one day. All right, let's move it on. Why not Miami? Those are the first, Colin, when we edit this, those are the first three words that I want said on this video. Simple question. Why not Miami? A lot of you are doubting Miami because of, admittedly, a rocky start to the Manny Diaz tenure last year. Okay, They didn't go 10-2. and two. They didn't play for a conference championship game. Here's what's happening, though. And I want to use that last year, his first year as a backdrop, very subpar on the field, very subpar record-wise. Offense was a mess. Quarterback situation was a mess. And so they get Derek King in on the transfer market in the offseason. They make a change at offensive coordinator, get Rhett Lashley in. This is all old news. The newer headlines have to do with recruiting. James Williams, a couple of weeks ago, shocked pretty much everyone outside of South Florida when he decided not to go to Georgia. This is a five-star athlete, chose to stay home, as he put it. Home is not the way a lot of elite South Florida talent has been referring to the basis for their decision lately, staying home. It's been leaving home. So James Williams says, 
I'm staying home. I'm shutting down my recruitment. I'm going to Miami. Okay, you know, blind squirrel, broken clock, that whole deal. That's pretty much what every rival fan said about Miami when they landed James Williams. And then they looked ahead and they said, well, there's some more five-star talents in South Florida uh, at the same high school, actually. And so let's see how that goes. And Leonard Taylor at the time, a couple weeks ago, looked to be a big-time battle between Florida and Miami. Well, Leonard Taylor announced today on CBS HQ, no less. And guess where Leonard Taylor is going to play his college football? He's going to Miami. Really big deal. Five-star defensive tackle. And so, uh, very much unprovoked, might I add, our inbox today has just been littered with FSU fans and a whole lot of Florida fans in defense mechanism mode, as I like to call it, because I didn't say anything. I, I don't. It's not like they had me appear on CBS HQ today. I, it's not like I talked to Leonard Taylor before his decision or anything. To my knowledge, Colin, we haven't even talked about this yet. I mean, we said the announcement was coming, and that's it. And so I'm looking in my inbox today, and I got all these folks just volunteering the notion that, well, several notions, actually, so I wrote them all down. One is, oh, Miami will barely go 500 this year, and all these guys will decommit. That was one defense mechanism reaction. Uh, the second was, well, you can't win a trophy just by recruiting. They don't give away trophies for recruiting titles. Okay. And then the third was, well, guys like that, they're just scared of competition. You know, they don't want to come here. Um, I'm being very nonspecific when I say here because multiple fan bases were intimating this. They don't want to come here where the roster's loaded. They want to go there. Easy path to playing time. And then I had the ever popular, I'll take winning on the field over winning in recruiting. So the subculture, we've talked about it for like two or three weeks, and in some ways I've talked about it for like 10 years, but there is a subculture in college football. You have to be in tune with it. This is not the NFL. The injury reports are not made public all the time. Uh, there aren't open practices to the public everywhere. There is a lot of stuff about this sport, even with the major programs that goes on behind a curtain. But the fortunate aspect is there are always leaks somewhere. You got to know who to listen to. You got to know where to go. And we fancy ourselves as being part of that subculture, but you got to know where to go. And so in Miami circles, there's been a little groundswell as of late. Uh, a lot of folks were not necessarily deterred by the rocky start to the Manny Diaz tenure because they felt definite momentum in recruiting. That is validating now with a lot of these big-time commitments. Jason Marshall is the next one that's on everyone's radar. That's a five-star corner that Miami is battling Alabama for. Our best intel is that Miami has taken the lead for him over the last week to two weeks, maybe longer. We'll find out when he finally commits, wherever he's going to commit. But the subculture in Miami is such that there's been this groundswell of momentum. Now, by the very nature of what that subculture is, the positive energy always precedes results. So you got a lot of people. It happens a lot. It's not just Miami. When a program is starting to turn a corner, the subculture feels it before the typical college football public feels it. Fans in Lincoln, Nebraska are not feeling this about Miami yet. Fans in the West Coast are not feeling this about Miami. But Miami folks are. Sometimes it doesn't pan out to anything. Other times it does. But by the very nature of what this entails, it always precedes results. And that's the case right now. Miami is not coming off some banner opening season for Manny Diaz, where they're going out on the recruiting trail and they're 
telling everyone, hey, look what we were in year one, making you imagine what we're about to do in subsequent years. No, it was very up and down last year. Quite frankly, a lot more down than up. So the casual fan looks and says, what are you idiots so excited for? Like, you, did you, what bowl were you in last year? Where were you guys? I didn't see you guys around New Year's time. And we were, if you're a Florida fan, we were down in Miami. We were winning another New Year's Six Bowl. You know, we were knocking on the door of this and that. And the point is, all that can be true. And the other point is, there is no guarantee that landing James Williams and landing uh, Leonard Taylor like they did today, there's no guarantee that's going to bring them one more win in the future. You're right. That's not a guarantee. But there's a flip side to that coin. Here's what I can guarantee you. I feel pretty confident putting my signature on this proclamation. I can guarantee you they're not going anywhere if they don't sign a bunch of talent in South Florida. That I can guarantee you. So I can't guarantee you that they're going anywhere with the talent, but I can guarantee you they're not going anywhere without it. So one of the very prerequisites for Miami to ever be back is to start landing kids, multiple kids, in multiple classes, let's be clear, like what they've done so far. Penn has not met paper, so anyone who's holding out hope about these guys decommitting, I can't tell you definitively it won't happen. I can tell you I would bet money it won't happen. And I can tell you also... Think, visit your own heart on this one. I can tell you that I don't really think you believe it either. It's defense mechanism talking. It's your own passion talking. But if I told you you had to take your next paycheck and you had to bet it one way or the other, this is a, a kind of a, an alternate universe where we're betting on recruiting, and the wager is yes or no, even money here, yes or no, Leonard Taylor remains committed to Miami all the way to signing day. James Williams remains committed until signing day. Yes or no? Paycheck on the line. What are you betting? You're betting those kids are going to sign with Miami. So stop saying all these things because most of you don't really believe it. And hey, I'm willing to entertain some offers from those of you who really do believe that they're going to decommit. But I want you to remember, in summary, third time I've made this point because it's a very important point, this is not happening off a springboard of a 10-2 and two debut campaign in Miami for Manny Diaz. They were bad last year, and yet they've still gone out, and they have had to participate in what I always like to call vision-based recruiting. Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt are trying to do the same thing right now. If you win a lot, it's easy to sell kids on the concept that you can come here and win, because look, we've already done it. All you got to do is turn on your TV. Well, Manny Diaz can't sell that right now. But yet he's still selling Miami. That's the whole point. And so if he's doing it when their record sucked last year, what happens if they contend for the ACC championship? What happens if they play for an ACC championship this year? What happens if they're on the road at Clemson and uh, whenever they play them? Let's see. I got the schedule here. Week five. ACC week five. What happens if that thing's tied up early fourth quarter? Win or lose? What happens if it's tied up and all of a sudden you're saying, Miami? Miami what? Florida? Yeah, Miami, Florida. Look. They can play football again. Do you think that the recruiting momentum subsides? Do you think it's just limited to these guys? I don't think so. So my question in closing is the same as the question I asked when we opened this. Why not Miami? What is it that's really standing in the way? General and broad incompetence has what has stood in the way down there, and that encompasses a lot of things. What is standing in the way in the future? And if they start kicking down this door or rebuilding a wall, I guess, and keeping a lot of their talent home instead of going to Tuscaloosa and Clemson and Columbus, 
It's no guarantee that anything's gonna happen, but that is the basis for starting the snowball rolling down the hill. So I didn't predict any national championship there. I'm just telling you, there is reason for the folks who are confident and very excited about the current and future state of Miami to be excited about the current and future state of the program. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Now let's move on and let's talk about something. Let's segue. Let's build a segue here. Speaking of Miami, did you hear about Greg Rousseau opting out of the season? You can cut that out, Colin. Now here's where we'll really start the segment. Opt-outs have a lot of you concerned. Greg Rousseau at Miami. Um, We've had Rashad Bateman at Minnesota opt-out. We've had Micah Parsons at Penn State opt-out of the season. And then we've had other guys like Jamar Chase at LSU announce, hey, I got every intention of playing this season. So we got a mixed bag, but a lot of people are afraid that a few superstars who are opting out, guys who look to be either locks or fairly virtual certainties to go in the first round of the NFL draft, whether they play or not this year, you're afraid that that's going to cause an avalanche. And even if we do have a season, a lot of the big boys are going to be out. Now, here's the reality. We will probably see a few more of these. I mean, we're seeing them right now. So Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, okay, well, now that we got those out of the way, that's done. No, the reality is we're probably going to see a few more. You're probably going to see a lot of things, quite frankly, this year, if and when college football happens, that you've never seen before or since. So just chalk it up to 2020. You know, 10 years from now, when you're talking about the history of this country, college football no different, someone will just say, that was 2020, though. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I got you now. Western Michigan won the national championship. 2020, though. I got you. Okay, okay. So... Here's the reality. I did some digging on this because I saw a lot of you very concerned. Uh, A lot of you were expressing to me a lot of concern about, is this guy going to sit out? Is that that guy going to sit out? Uh, This is independent of what's going on in the Pac-12. I'm talking specifically about this season. I'm talking about guys with health concerns, guys with pretty solidified draft status and draft stock. That's what I'm talking about, to be abundantly clear. The reality is most guys want to play. I know this comes as a very big shock to some people, including some folks who cover this sport, but I would suggest to you that a lot of college football players, most college football players, a vast majority of college football players love playing college football. They have aspirations to take it to the next level one day, but not every one of them is in a hurry to hit that exit door contrary to what is sometimes popular belief. Now this year, there is a new factor in that room that may hasten your steps towards that exit door. But few guys are first round locks, very few. Now there are going to be 32 eventual first rounders taken. How many of them are locks the year before? 
and the season before that upcoming draft happens. Very few. Micah Parsons is an exception to the rule. That guy is thought to be a top 10, top 15 block. Greg Russo at Miami thought to be the same way. So this is not an all or none proposition. I'm going to suggest to you this is not going to become a trend that a lot of people are concerned about it becoming. But it's not an all or none thing. What I mean by that is this time next year, if we're back to normal and some guy for Georgia, some guy for Texas opts out, that doesn't mean that you come back and you wag your finger and say, oh, I told you it was going to become a trend. That's not a trend. One or two or even five does not a trend make. But long term, let's think about this and let's put it all on the table. I've talked to some very informed people, not just in the football world, but in uh, worlds that would qualify them to speak on such things, shall we say. One example doesn't prove everything and it doesn't prove anything. But I want you to think about this. For every Micah Parsons, let's take this year as an example. Micah Parsons, not going to play a down, it looks like, this year. Probably still go top 10. Well, that's an exception. What happens if a guy opts to sit out this year and uh, is projected right now in mock drafts to go mid-first round, and the guys that he's really competing against, if you think about it, for those precious few first-round spots at his position or in general, are playing this year, and they're putting, they're putting a junior season or a senior season on tape, and you're not, what happens if one of these dudes falls late second round? I'll tell you what happens. What happens is, from now until eternity, when you sit down, if you are a guy who's eligible to leave, and you're thinking about leaving, and you sit down with your parents and your coaches, and it's all put on the table, those scenarios are going to be put out there. You got one chance to make as much life-changing money as you can, and you got a senior season or a junior season coming up here, you still got work to do in the eyes of scouts, in the eyes of the advisory board. You still got work to do. Look what happened to player X. He left. He listened to the wrong folks. This happens anyway without guys opting out earlier than normal. So those examples are going to be there. But that's not really what I'm so concerned about. There's another sort of baby elephant in the room that's going to grow as the season goes on and we get a lot closer to this becoming a reality. I keep talking about it, and some of you are still not following me. Those three letters, N-I-L, name, image, likeness. This thing that you, some of you, some of you are adamant about this, think that it's going to be this wrecking ball to the sport. Once you start allowing these kids to profit off their name, image, and likeness, probably next year, once you do that, the fabric of the sport is uh, ripped and shredded into oblivion, and it will never return to any kind of normalcy. Uh, I think that's wrong. I've already expressed my opinion on that. I think it's going to be a net benefit. And I'm not just talking about for some new age fan who couldn't care less about the history and tradition of college football. I care about all those things. I'm one of them. And I'm telling you, I think this is going to be a net benefit even for you. If you're 84 years old and you're sitting there and, and you miss the days when this or that was the norm, I'm telling even you, I think you may look around and see that NIL, name, image, likeness, and opening up a new revenue stream, not sharing revenue, opening up a new revenue stream, is going to help more than it hurts the sport. How does that relate to all this? Well, I'll tell you. We're really at the crux of all this talking about how many guys are going to be opting out and not fulfilling their full college football eligibility. That's really what we're talking about. And by the very nature of leaving early, it's NFL draftable guys who leave early and so the best players are the ones who have the opportunity to leave early, and you're worried about the 
top of the sport continuously being taken before their time. Think about this. And this is where I've spoken to some people, and, and this is the perspective out there that kind of is contrary to what the general perspective is. Name, image, and likeness is coming up. The ability to profit off your name, image, and likeness is coming up. You don't have that right now. Right now, any given year, this one included, for different reasons, but think about a normal year. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of guys at major programs and secondary programs across the country who are on the fence about going to the NFL draft. A lot of those guys love college. A lot of those guys love college football. And if all things were even remotely equal, a lot of those guys would love to stay one more year. But at the same time, they understand there's a lot of risk when I come back. And there is a huge reward standing here right now. And all I got to do is declare. And I'm, I've got a lot of money, generational money. And so that's how the decision is made normally. Now, I want you to answer this. It's going to be rhetorical because we're ultimately going to find out together. It's going to be rhetorical right now. Think about this. Dozens of kids on the fence, as they are every year. And you've got the pros and cons and the risk-reward all weighed out. Now imagine that I'm putting anywhere from $60,000 to $700,000 extra dollars that they've had the ability to make in their college playing days in their back pocket. How many guys does that take off the fence and keep in college one more year? Not all of them are top 10 locks. A lot of guys are leaving college knowing, uh, I'll go first three rounds, but we just need the money. My family needs the money. How many more guys are going to be taken off the fence? You're worried about the top 10 guys who may opt out. I'm telling you, for every one that does that, I see half a dozen or more who are going to fall on the college football side of that fence for one more year because name, image, and likeness, the very thing that some of you think is going to ruin this sport, is going to keep more guys in the sport longer. So I consider that a whim. And that ideology is why a lot of people are far less worried about this opt-out thing becoming a trend than some fans are. Just wanted to share my two cents and give you some alternate perspective there. I wanted to answer one of our questions from the inbox before we left tonight. So Dean sent us something. Dean sends us a lot. He's a big-time Alabama fan. And Dean said, have you ever noticed how Kirby tries stealing Bama's recruits all the time? That was it. That was how Dean worded this. This is the SEC, Dean. I don't know if you've noticed, but they will steal everything up to and including your firstborn child if it means winning more games. So I don't fault anyone for recruiting anyone, regardless of where they're committed to currently. If Penn hasn't hit paper, it's open season. And might I also suggest to you, Dean, now this is, I want you seated for this. This may come as a surprise. What if I told you that there have been some kids committed to Georgia that Alabama continued to recruit. I've heard that it's happened. It's just rumor, but I've heard it's happened before. But I didn't want to answer this question so much. I wanted to use this question as a bridge to a conversation that I had last week with someone. And we were talking kind of about this. We were talking about the last few years. It was, ironically, it was another one of my big-time Georgia buddies. And I was talking to him, and he said, dude, do you have any idea how much we've done for Alabama? I said, what are you talking about? Because we were talking about recruiting. And we were talking about how it's so mysterious and how if you could trace back the lineage of any given recruit, sometimes ones who have decommitted famously from one program and ended up at another one, 
um, you know, it's, it's why I avoid hot, the way that this point is going to end is why I always avoid these hot knee-jerk reactionary takes on recruiting. Bookmark that. And let's talk about this for a second. So he says, do you have any idea how much we, he's talking about Georgia, how much we have done to help Alabama? How much Kirby Smart has done to help Alabama since he got to Georgia? Because I thought he was talking about what Kirby did at Alabama. To be honest with you, I was only halfway paying attention. I think I was writing something. And so I said, yeah, man, he was a good coordinator over there. He said, no, 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 no. Not when he was at Bama. He's done a lot for Alabama since he's been at Georgia as the head coach. And I said, what in the world are you talking about? So... Then he walked me through it, and I said, uh-huh, I see where you're going here. So those of you who are hardcore recruiting fans, you probably remember these stories. If you're a Georgia or a Bama fan, you absolutely remember it. But maybe you're a casual observer and you don't know where these players were once committed. Let me tell you a little story. So Kirby Smart is the defensive coordinator at Alabama, and uh, he gets the Georgia job, and he decides that he's going to coach throughout the national championship game. I think they won the championship that year, and then Kirby leaves, right? He goes to Georgia. He's the head coach there now. And one of the first things he did was he targeted Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm was committed not to Georgia. Jake Fromm was committed to the University of Alabama at that point. And Kirby convinced him to decommit and come to Georgia. And Jake Fromm ended up being pressed into duty and as a true freshman and ended up playing uh, – you have an up-and-down career in terms of fan perception, but had a solid career at Georgia. But do you know what Alabama did in reaction? Alabama thought they had their quarterback. Fromm was their quarterback. Well, Kirby takes Fromm. So Alabama has to go with a backup option. And that backup option was this kid from Hawaii named Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who ends up being inserted at halftime, famously, of a national championship game, and beating Georgia. And the eternal question is, is Tua even on this team if Kirby doesn't take Jake Fromm? So that's one way that my friend is suggesting Kirby Smart's done a lot for Alabama since he left. But it doesn't end there, friends. I want you to think about this. Because a few years later, a couple of years later, Carson Beck is a quarterback that most of you don't know yet. He hasn't really played. He's committed to Alabama. I think at the time we had him rated as a, either a high four-star or a five-star guy. He's committed to Alabama. Guess who comes calling again? Kirby Smart comes calling again, and Mr. Beck decommits from Alabama, and guess where he commits? He commits to Georgia, where he is on the roster right now. Alabama is again in need of a quarterback, and what does Alabama do? All they do in their search for a replacement for Carson Beck is go sign the eventual number one player in the country, Bryce Young. He is a true freshman this year. So both of these guys just got on campus. The story remains to be written there. But I think it's pretty safe to say Alabama, it looks like, got the better end of that little exchange. Third point, do you remember the whole Scott Cochran hubbaloo when Scott Cochran was snatched in the middle of the night from Kirby Smart out of the hands of Alabama and taken to Georgia? And everyone freaked out, and we told you, oh, let's wait and see how this one plays out. Well, uh, the, you don't even have to be close to Alabama at this point to have heard the rock star status that that new strength conditioning sports science duo that they got from Indiana has already acquired before games ever been played up there. And so that could be a third leg of moves that Kirby Smart has made to bolster Georgia's program that end up benefiting Alabama in the long run. And I circle back, as I said, to the reason why I'm never the one. As soon as a decommitment happens or something along those lines, I'm never the one to rush to the nearest microphone or the nearest keyboard 
and start talking about how someone just won and how someone pulled a shocker here. Now, you may be shocked by what's happening, but you don't know who wins. I can promise you, when Kirby Smart took Jake from, he decommitted from Bama and went to Georgia, Bama fans were bummed out about that, just as they were bummed out about losing Carson Beck to Georgia. And in both cases, they ended up the better for it in the aggregate. And some of them were pretty bummed out, including some very national types, pretty bummed out about Georgia's ability to take Scott Cochran. Well, now it's just a few months later. Who's looking around saying, boy, they missed Scott Cochran at Alabama? They haven't played a game. Like, nothing's really changed. They haven't played a football game yet. Just look at how these things change. Look at how perception changes in this sport. Don't try and be the first to be first. Just sit back. Let this stuff unfold. You'll, you'll notice. You know, I'll give you an example. There's a lot of stuff happening in the Pac-12 right now. There's a whole lot of stuff happening out there. There are a whole lot of demands being made. Have you heard us talk about it on this show? No, aside from right now. We haven't even spoken about it on this show. It's not because I don't have thoughts. It's because I think that in two months, that entire situation, the reality and what isn't reality out there, is going to look a whole lot different than it does now. So we're not always tripping over ourselves to talk about every little thing on this show that everyone else is talking about. As you've noticed, sometimes we're talking about stuff no one's talking about. And then sometimes there's an overlap where the stuff everyone else is talking about, scheduling, for example, is very relevant to us. But that's going to conclude us for tonight. Now, a big thank you. I have to give you a big thank you. Our 24-7 sports podcasts, a lot of them. The Barton and Bud Show is doing phenomenal. Late Kick is doing phenomenal. We are approaching 400 five-star reviews there. Now, that's great, but it's also a fact that far more than 400 listen per episode. I see the numbers. So if you haven't already, give us a five-star review over there. It's also one way that you can submit questions for the Late Kick Extra podcast that we record every Wednesday. We release it every Wednesday, record it like 2 a.m. Tuesday night. And also, if you haven't already subscribed to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, had a meeting today, a very extended Zoom meeting with a lot of the folks around here about different ideas for this fall. And it's a lot of, suffice to say, it's a lot of really fun stuff coming your way. So you'll want to be subscribed here for that. In the meantime, for Director Colin, for Tani, for Aaron, I'm Josh Bate. Thanks for watching. We'll see you back here same time Sunday night. Until then, stay safe, have a great weekend, and God bless. show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter you speak that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale friday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus